Black is back, and we've decided to hop on this podcast joint. We're taking our webinar content to another level. So sit back, buckle up, because it's about to be crazy. What's up, guys? What's up, ladies? It's our first episode. Aren't y'all hype? I'm hype. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about all the the black business, sports-related, everything, just everything. And I'm excited to see and hear and be here with my black family members. It's yeah, it's been about too to be long. It's, it's been too long. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this evening. You know, as well as I know, I want to talk about the obvious right now, the hottest topic in college athletics, the money maker right now. Show me the money. And likeness. These student athletes are getting to the bag, and it is a big bag, too. How do we feel about that? Uh, first of all, I just want to say the amount of student athletes that have come out with the bag and just day Big one, bag. I'm like, look, I don't care if it's your small duffel. I don't care if it's your medium sized bag. I don't care if it's your large. I'm going overseas. Point. They getting after it. People I want getting to give a huge money. shout out to De'Ari King, QB of Miami, for what he's doing with his teammates, though. Yes. That right there is love. That is if I eat, my family eats. That's dope. You you can't make that, but on a serious note, um, for real. Before we before we get too far into it, let's introduce ourselves. Right. Uh, my name my name is Kiera. Uh, I used to work in college athletics. Right now, I work in the corporate industry, but also looking back to get into college athletics. Everyone want to introduce themselves. I'll go next because everybody confuses her name with mine. <laughs> so, and my name with hers. I'm Kiara. Um, I also work in college athletics right now. I'm on the academic side, done some student athlete development work as well. But when I talk here, I'm also going to be talking about finance, financial literacy, money, all things money related, because that's a huge topic of importance to me. So I must throw it over to Nick, who was just talking since we jumped the gun and didn't introduce ourselves. You can follow follow hey. suit, sir. I got hype. I got real hype. <laughs> but, you know, again, Nick Graves. I also work in college athletics. Struggling but diehard Knicks fan. Not because the name's in it. Um, lover of all things sports. Happy to be back with my black family. Yo. Who's next? Go, go, go. Sorry. Go ahead. Who's next? What's up? My name is Nate McGill. Um, currently working in college athletics as well. Big HBCU guy. Graduated from HBCU, family went to HBCU, so I'm sure we're going to be having a lot of conversations about things around that since they're in the spotlight. So I'm looking forward to this podcast and talking about some great things. It's your turn, Mr. Anderson. Last but not least, you know, Trey Anderson, working college athletics as well. Currently in the administrative side on their academics and operations. Um, Have been a coach. HBCU grad and and proud of it, um, you know future doctoral candidate in the house. But you know, uh, you know, I'm excited about what we're about to do tonight. And I mean, we can, we can go ahead and, and kick this thing off. You can find out more about me later. So you yeah. trust me. That's what's up. So back, like, let's rewind, rewind it, right? 
Yes. Back to the topic at hand for this, well, first topic at hand for this evening, which is name, image, and likeness. Let me, let me, let me be a good podcast member and actually explain it for those who don't know what it is. Because it's very possible that some lovely individual is going to stumble across our amazing podcast and not know what the hell's going on. So what is, or can, maybe we can all define it together. What, when we talk about name, image, and likeness, what is it? Like, we've heard the term before. There's obviously been a lot of news and even legal slash court cases um, about the topic in and of itself. So what, when we talk about name, image, and likeness, like, what is that? Or what does it mean to you? I guess would be an even bigger, bigger question. I'll definitely say, uh, you know, kind of simplifies just being able to monetize who you are as an individual uh, while still business-like, um, you know, abiding by rules and regulations of a, a corporate business. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of little things to it, but it's simple, monetizing who you are. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that, it, oh, sorry, go ahead. My bad. Yeah, it just goes back to we're all, you know, that big coin word, word brand. Um, it's branding yourself, seeing yourself as a brand, owning who you are, owning your name, your image, and your likeness, not letting anyone else control it. Um, and also, just like, I think it has to do with uh, knowledge. You are an athlete at the highest level, uh, and some are at the highest level. Some are not, not necessarily at D1, but still, you're being um, promoted for your sport and your, your department, your school. And it's a way for you to learn how to market yourself, how to market anything um, before you get out into the real world. And I think it gives you real life experience. Um, so for me, uh, NIL, coming from the creative side, is just tapping into that and just owning what your brand is and also experiment, experimenting what your brand is. Like, you're, like these student athletes are so young that they, they still don't know like who they are, who they want to be just yet. And I think it's a way for them to, you know, play the field a little bit um, before they get out in the real world and, you know, have to uh, work for a brand. It's like now you're a brand. So I'm um, seeing yourself that way and being able to take your life into your own hands um, with the help of professionals. That's the cool thing about it. It's like if these uh, administrators like do right by the student athletes, then they have help. Like they're not on, on an island by themselves trying to uh, brand themselves, trying to control their future in that sense. So for me, it's knowledge is power and also uh, learning the, 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 just the way to brand yourself and to market yourself and being creative in that. I think that will help them as they get into the real world. If they're going to be a professional athlete or if they're going to work in corporate, it all translates. So I think it's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, in addition to the obvious building a brand or, or, or being able to align your brand that's already been built with other brands, other entities, other business or excuse me, other organizations, I think the value in what is name, image, and likeness passing and, and now student athletes being able to monetize their brand is the obvious, like being able to make money, right? 
long have we had conversations around the fact that student athletes were not able to make money, but were making these college athletic programs big time and even mid-major programs like millions of dollars, close to billions of dollars as a whole entity and not seeing a dime, not seeing one penny um, in relation to the money that they were generating for these institutions. So for me, I'm happy to, as we said earlier, all these student athletes are getting an opportunity to get to the bag, but in a controlled environment. And I think that now they have access to going to a university. You have access to so many resources that as of right now, I actually don't think universities are doing a good job of taking advantage of. But students can learn how to build their own businesses. They can learn how to write their own business plans. They can learn more about entrepreneurship. They can connect with alumni that are in fields of interest to them and not only maybe be a part of an ad for them, but also pick their brain. Like, how did you start this business? How did you how do you make your money? How do you sustain your business? And I think that's a big part of it um, as well. And I I mean, I. We'll go into this later, but I don't necessarily know that athletic departments were ready for all that is name, image, and likeness. And I don't necessarily know that everybody's touching on all of the topics that need to be touched on right now because it's so early. I'm hopeful that over time people will go into conversations about branding, the marketing, the self-discovery, the the ability to build, you know, your bank account, all of that. Um and, and do right by the student athletes. But to your point here, or to, to build on your point, I don't know that we are all doing right by them right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to okay. add a quick little thing, my thoughts quick. on it. Um, I think the NIL space is really a new era. And I think a lot of people have mentioned that as far as just the tide shifting and really giving student athletes um, access to having, you know, full potential of their value. Being a former student athlete, again, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily fill out stands, but there were athletes who people came to the games to see them. And there's no way that um, they shouldn't have been able to benefit off of that. Because like you mentioned before, the universities are making so much money off of it. Um, I just think it's important that athletes understand the rules and regulations because um, now it's kind of an even playing field. I mean, they really have lawyers out here. Companies have, you know, you know, systems and processes and places to do the due process, uh, uh, due processes and really just kind of make sure you abide by this contract. So um, I do think it's very early in the game. I think things are going to change. I think people are going to bump their heads. Um, but overall, I think it's a benefit to the student athletes and um, it kind of just, like I said, it's a new era. I mean, I mean, and I'm just going to point out, and you know, for some people too who don't understand some of the things you can't do um, with NIL, you cannot um, conflict with uh, certain contracts that go against whatever your institution has. So, if your school is sponsored by Coke, you can't get a sponsorship by uh, Pepsi, like you know, things like that. You can't alcohol, tobacco, gambling, and 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 pornography. So, you know. Uh, it was a big thing, you know, that we put out there. Only fans being the most popular thing right now. We put that out there. So just some a couple of things that just so people understand things you can't do at NIL. Um, and I say from a personal standpoint, I have two brothers currently who play college football, and 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 I have mentees, former players who transferred to bigger schools and stuff. And a couple of them have made some great, I think, NIL moves, um, monetizing themselves, partnering with businesses. Um, that had allowed them to do events of their own 
to help them generate money. Um, but I have seen a lot of deals. My brothers run them by me all the time. They've gotten offers. Some of these NIL deals are trash. Hey, promote us. We'll get you a free T-shirt, a shirt. Yeah. No, I'm good on that. Like, I'm like, you know. Know your worth. Yeah. Know like, promote worth. us and we'll give you a 30% discount. Like, that ain't, no, well, that ain't nothing benefiting me. That's all. And, and we're going to send you, and we're not going to send you free products. Right. And, I'm, and I'm like, you got to be lost your rabid mind. But um, that's, I want to add that. Not the, not the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nick. Yeah, Nick. I want to add, like, some something very real to this because I think it's the element that, although it's probably the biggest elephant in the room, it still isn't addressed. Everybody's not going to make money. Everybody's not going to make money. And my thing is, just because where you may play your sport doesn't necessarily mean you're entitled to getting something. You may not be marketable. And that's my thing, too, when it comes to this marketing and branding. You may not have what somebody needs to to promote a product. And you may not need what you have for yourself. Like, sometimes, you know, there are people that are going to get weeded out very quickly. I'm looking at Bryce Young. Five-star elite QB going in Alabama, already approaching seven figures. Like, big bag. I'm with that. But everybody's not Bryce Young. Everybody is not Bryce Young. And and not, not only to mention that, to add the, another dichotomy to this, sometimes your sport matters too. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I, like, I've seen so many people even at the NAIA level, if it's, if it's not basketball and you don't have some kind of like no joke, no physical attraction. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. It's not. So I think another aspect too that was touched on earlier about the you know the financial responsibility, the fiscal awareness and and, um, and knowledge that you need. You also kind of have to understand like this may not actually be for you. But again, to have the free market enterprise open up for you to navigate that. It's all is the plus. That's the biggest thing for me in the NIL. But you got to mm-hmm. understand, you may not be the one. But again, Jay-Z said it as well in the remix of Diamonds from Sierra Leone. I'm not a businessman. I'm, I'm a businessman. Business like, that goes back to my point. Like, there, I think we're still thinking so small or we're still thinking in such a, a, a unilateral way when it comes to name, image, and likeness. Like, this opens up the floodgates for anyone who is classified as a college athlete within NCAA-governed institutions, Division One, Two, II, or Three, to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. According to the way the regulations are written, at least from the NCAA level, you can make money off of your name, image, and likeness without that money being tied to your athleticism. So we also have to teach athletes how to make money about or based on not being an athlete, right? So like mm-hmm. we're saying not everybody's going to be able to make money. I don't think everybody can make big money off of just being an athlete or just being affiliated with the university. But I also feel like that's the point. Like there, for example, there was a student athlete that I worked with in in the past and this particular student athlete loved to cook, right? 
that has nothing to do with them being a student athlete and everything to do with a love or a talent that they developed as they themselves. So going back to that whole personal discovery, self-discovery piece of things, like I want to see more athletes do that. We have a a student athlete um, that wants to sing. Um, and, and like book, like weddings and stuff like that. Like that's ha- that has nothing to do with the sport that this person is playing. And I think that's the added value to this that a lot of people are kind of missing out on because we think about the, the big time power five institutions and we're not thinking about, again, a smaller mid-major division two, II, division three level institutions where literally is just saying, hey, you can make money, period. You can make money and as long as you report it in a way that your school, you know, has told you you should be reporting it, that the possibilities to that are endless um, for the most part. Obviously, <laughs> illegal substances and things like that you can't be involved with, but that's what I want to see. I want to see more, you know, institutions or even more NIL education classes or programs or entities talk to the students about that like how can you make money just by you being you not you being an athlete because they're not going to be an athlete forever and i think that's what we need to make sure we're focusing on but this well, is just to start celebrating them, right like celebrate them having alternate identities outside of being athletes right because we talk we talk about that like we always talk about how like Student athletes will finish their four years in college or whatever, or you know, try to pursue professional af- 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 professional contracts. Sorry, and they don't. If it doesn't work out, they don't know who they are. Like they get lost along the way, or they they they, they experience some type of crisis or mental health issue because they weren't prepared for that next phase of their life and and their identity. So then why can't this is the perfect opportunity to get them started on that now? Like, who are you beyond your sport? How can you make money? A lot of people, especially in the black community, decide to play football or play basketball because they think that's the easiest, the fastest way for them to make money and make a lot of it. Right. So now you're giving them the opportunity to pursue other options or other avenues based on something that they've always been told, this is who you are, or this is what you're good at. Right. So without going on a tangent, cause y'all know I could talk about this all day. Like, I just think we have to pay attention to that too. Like, you know, how can, how can we make sure that we're good, especially people? Well, well, first off, shout out to uh, Tennessee state, you know, for having the largest NIL contract out there. (laughs) With that two million dollar deal, <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty you sure it, it makes Mr. McGill happy over there, knowing that his institution is leading the game with Mr. Miller's son over there in basketball. But you know, nonetheless, I mean, I definitely agree. Like I said, everybody can't make money. I think the most impressive deal to me that I saw was the MMA gym that gave every Miami athlete scholarship athlete uh, a deal, like you know, with a six thousand dollar a year stipend. Like to me, that was the most impressive one that I've seen. Um, even to the point where, like you said, you know, um, you know, them giving, Hey, I'm getting my teammates a part of my deal and things that sort. But the biggest thing that they are missing. And I agree. You are the brand. You are the brand. So you make what you want. You know, when I was a grad assistant, I had two of our basketball players who created their own clothing brand and, 
it's still popping today. And just imagine if they could have used their and I, you know name, image, and likeness at the time to promote even more. So you're doing this raw as just an individual, not as an athlete, and you're doing well. So this would have populated this time. They probably would have took off even more. And some people don't understand there are talents that you have that you have to make take advantage of. Okay. You know, um, what's his name? Uh, I said, uh, what's destroying real name? Oscar De La Hay? Yeah. You know, Oscar De La Hay, you know, like he talks about it all the time with the fact that he has to, you know, this was what he did and, you know, how he got screwed over and, you know, now every kid's opportunity. And he's smart enough to create his own firm that's going to teach kids how to do, you know, to, to make money off of that. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. People are going to have to find ways to educate themselves on how to be a brand. But just because you have the opportunity, like you said, Nick, you don't, you ain't all going to be brands. Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. You ain't going to have too many people who's like, I want to watch this equestrian kid in Detroit. Like that, Detroit and equestrian just don't mix, right? Not traditionally. My you know, city out of this. So, so, you know, you're going to you're not going to have every sports just not going to pop. And we've always we've already dealt with that before. NIL. we already had it. Who who's the and I, we all been working college sports. We know who's your money generating sports. Who's your non money generating sports? Who gives money that's going to run every other department, football, basketball, depending on where you are, maybe baseball, lacrosse. Other than that, for the most part. The rest of the sports are feeding off of these two sports. So it's going to be the same way with this, you know, brand. I think, I think though, that with the, with the idea of like not everyone's going to be a brand, they're not going to be a brand with sports. I think that yes. everyone can find yes. their niche in something. I think people can find their brand in something because I think everyone has an opportunity to be a brand and something as individuals. Sorry. Yeah, but. We're, we're like, that's just how it is. Like you, they may not want to watch you do a queer, uh, equestrian or whatever, but mm-hmm. maybe you got a YouTube channel somewhere and no one even know because it's not monetized. It's probably all private videos, but you got a talent at something, but you're putting it out there. Now you have the chance to put that out there and to make money off something off your talent that is outside of the sport. Now you have an identity outside the sport. I think this could be helpful for black student af- black and brown student athletes because they got into sports. I'll say we, if we played, if any of us played sports, got into sports because college sports because that's how we got into college. It was a way for us to get into college. Well, now it's not just about athletics anymore. Now you can learn how to make money off of who you are and what your talents are. You may be the best basketball player on your team, but you also you also may be the best singer on your team that can sing the roof off, right? No one knows, though. But now you're putting that stuff out there, and now you have a choice. You can be that great basketball player, or you can be that singer, or you can be a great basketball player, or you can be a chemist. But you don't have to go to Yale to be a chemist. You don't have to go to Harvard to be a chemist. You can go to Tennessee State, be a chemist, but no one knows that you're that smart, but you put that on YouTube to say, like, I got the brains to do this. You're able to sell yourself that way. You're able to market yourself that way. You're able to brand yourself as I'm like <laughs> the infamous uh, YouTube channel. I'm, I'm not just an athlete or, uh, or I think it was I am an athlete. But now you can add that I'm not just an athlete type of thing um, to that. And I think that can help 
uh, marginalized people and because now it's not that you're just going to that school to play that sport. Now you have opportunities um, to do things outside of basketball, football, track and field, whatever sport that is. And I think that you may not be a brand within your sport or a brand within the athletics, but you might be a brand in something completely different. That goes to Kiara's point about uh, finding your identity outside of sports. I had that identity crisis when I played basketball. I got injured and I didn't play for a whole year. I struggled because I was like, what the heck? I'm not playing basketball. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, well, you can go to school and you can do that. But I was so I was so wrapped up in the identity of like, I am a basketball player. That's what I do. And that's what I live for. And in that in that year, I learned more about myself than anything. And I think like this this name, Image and Lightness, can be that platform for those student athletes to figure out who they are outside of the shadow of whatever sport they are playing in. But I hope you guys got out all your NIL stuff. We can continue to talk about this. We have talked about this a lot. We are we have to move on uh, to our next topic and uh, to continue in that vein of college sports. Um, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on the latest news on Texas and Oklahoma uh, going to possibly the SEC and leaving the Big 12. Um, thoughts? Uh, I used to work in the Big 12, so I have thoughts on that, but I'll let you guys go. Go for it. Growing up, although I'm the pride, go blue. The, the only other school that I knew, and I was a child, so, you know, we talking about kids stuff. I knew Michigan. He can see these faces right now. <laughs> Cut it out. Notre Dame and Texas. That was it. That's the only thing I knew when I was a little young young buck. And Michigan, everybody knows that's the best school in the state. In the- I can't believe you keep saying that word, bro. Cut it out. Keep going. <laughs> no, but, I mean, I think it's a, it's a big move. I mean, it, it kind of speaks to so many other – I mean, it, obviously it's the biggest one, but it's not the only conference moves that has happened throughout the year. And it's starting to speak to kind of like the management of these conferences and, you know, who's making the money and how tournaments and bowl games and other conferences, while they may be a power five, they still ain't generating power five type money in their mindset. So I can understand why a school like Texas and Oklahoma being the two biggest rivals in the Big 12 will want to leave and go to the SEC where all the money's going. It's a football, they're football schools too. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> football and basketball in a sense, but it's going to be better for them for the move in the football mm-hmm. sense, not necessarily basketball. I honestly think Texas might – you know, give a run for the money in the basketball sense in the SEC. I think that's going that's going to put a little spice into that. We'll see. That seemed like but a good Texas move. Then. Good. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Texas, yeah, in the basketball sense, I think that is a good move because now you're getting out of the Baylor's, you're getting out the Kansas, you're getting out like Autumn, like, and you going in there to. I think if if in my mind, it's like Tennessee, if that if they're going to compete. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, other teams that they're going to compete in the basketball sense. Football, I don't really follow football like that, but I know for a sense that Texas and Oklahoma might, I don't know, we'll see. you got to go against the uh, Bulldogs, in my in my opinion. But basketball-wise, oh, men's basketball, I'm thinking, like, that's going to be a thing. And then I can't wait to see 
uh, if any of you guys are women's basketball fans, to see Vic Schaefer go against uh, his his people too at Mississippi. So <laughs> we'll see. I think my opinion goes beyond the the changing conference. I think that the Power Five is going to become its own athletic federation. I think all Power Five schools are just going to become their own thing and govern themselves independent of the NCAA. I could really see that because I th- think about it. They're the top earners of all college athletic programs. So, And to be truthful, like they don't need the NCAA to sustain themselves. Like, if anything, I'm sure they could do more. It's almost like I see Power Five institutions being, like, the minor leagues of pro sports, almost. Like, I know that that's not necessarily what would happen, but those programs, to me, are more geared towards students that want to professionalize themselves. A lot of the time, especially when you work in an academic space or whatever, there's a lot of resistance to the outside developmental things that you're doing for an athlete that's in that in, in at a Power 5 institution because the, for a lot of them, the purpose is to try to go pro in those bigger sports, in a revenue-generating sports. So I feel like, like I said, my opinion is a little beyond just the current moves to the SEC, but I think this might not matter <laughs> because if the Power Five becomes its own entity, it's the precursor though. Because right. SEC is the biggest, is one of it's. They're stacking the SEC. If they put those two, they're stacking it. I don't care anyone <laughs> says they are stacking those teams. They were already. And if if you're talking about like you know making their own federation, then the SEC is is the precursor. If because right. you're moving, you're moving to like one of the biggest. Nah, like is that fair? Like, is that fair though? Like, it do has nothing like to do with balance? fairness. Like, I know. So, I mean, Kyle no one cares about fairness anymore. But anymore. wait, <laughs> you said they're stacked. They would be stacked if Texas and Oklahoma joined, right? Mm-hmm. That's not why they're stacked. They were stacked because of the TV deal that they signed with ESPN and ABC. The True. money that came in was was allowable to, for those programs across the SEC to improve everything they needed to from a sports specific standpoint. I have a little bit of a qualm with Arkansas. They're a little bit of a cheat code. Um, they got the Walmart, the Walton family, and Tyson Chicken founders that went there. So their money comes from somewhere totally yes. different. But um, <laughs> you have to understand, like, when you're talking about the, the, the conference moves and all that, right? Like, yeah, over the years, we've seen a few conference moves, a few conference moves. But while it does bolster the athletic standing, we also need to talk about now the profile of the coaches that are now joining the SEC. Yes. We already yes. have our issues with how much money they're getting paid in the first place, right? Now you're talking about two brands, Oklahoma and Texas, joining a conference who, for all intents and purposes, got their boom starting in 2007. That's not that long ago. That's really not that long ago. From football, right? National championships. They reeled off six or seven straight national champions. Cool. With that, right? With that being said, I think the most intriguing aspect of this is now how do you structure the conference? Because mm-hmm. now you have what looks like Texas and Oklahoma sitting west. And we already know that the West Division, the SEC, has already been voted the toughest division in all of college sports, of all of the Power Five specifically, 
Football is going to be fun. I'm going to tell you that right now because it's already, you know, cannibalistic. Yeah. Now you're talking about, all right, does the winner now at this point get overexhausted in whatever they're doing? And can they contend with the beast in the East, allegedly? Yeah. Two things, though, like, because people gave Missouri a hard time for leaving the Big 12. They they deserving. Facts. But now you got two more teams leaving the Big 12 going to the SEC. I'm just just curious about that conversation. And then the other thing I was going to say is the amount of money they have to pay the Big 12 to leave the Big 12 to go to the SEC. And then the money they have to pay, I think, to be in the SEC – does that like tell that's how much money they have? Like, I think it's like 80 million. It's a lot that they have to pay to leave the Big 12. Like, to me, that's like you seriously are thinking about paying that. But it's, I read an article that said like they're comparing that to how much money they're going to make when they're in the Big 12 in the SEC. And to me, like, you talk about money and talk about like that, it's like that's how much money they really making over there. And then you talk about leaving the NCAA. Like, I'll say I'm leaving the NCAA, too, and make it, like, let's put our own tournament. Because the only reason the NCAA, like, has the money it has, they're not getting it from the NCAA. They're getting it from men's basketball. And TV deals. But it's TV deals for men's basketball. Right, right. They don't own football or anything like that. So Yeah. But technically speaking, though, the NCAA football championship is by FCS schools. The college football playoff it does not have the NCAA written on it at all. Yeah, that's what I was saying, that, like, you know? they don't have anything so, to do with football. So this none of that money's going to As the NPR, you open it up by saying this is just a precursor to the Power Five leaving the NCAA. Who's to say that was the precursor? Who's to say we're not living through it right now? I'm saying, listen, I, my, my biggest thing is these are big-time businesses. Let's not sit here and act like colleges are not businesses. Non-profit organizations. Yes, please. Like, these colleges are not non-profit organizations. They're not not-for-profit organizations. They are corporations, okay? That's why you have the UAA, you have the blah, 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 the Athletics Association arm of all of these institutions because the end goal is to make money. They nickel and dime everything. So none of these schools are going to make that move without considering the lose as well as what they're going to do um, when it comes to their own, their, their decision making. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I said what I said about, and, and to piggyback off of what Kiera was saying, like they lose 80 million today, but they could make that up in this next season, especially if we post COVID have a full football season. It's over. Like, I know they're about to make that back plus some. You know what I'm saying? The only question that I have, and I'm I'm asking this because I'm not well-versed in this area, what happens to the Longhorn Network? Because isn't that a network that's contracted under the Big 12? Like, I don't know the logistics of the contract. So can can they go to the SEC and also keep the Longhorn Network as a Texas network? I do know that they put out yesterday that they, Texas and Oklahoma, did not renew their deals with the Big Twelve Network okay. with their with their own thing. So I'm assuming they're going to be able to take their own networks to wherever they go because they had this part of their renewals. So, so the <clears throat> network is actually controlled and owned by ESPN. So 
Mm, it had okay. nothing to do with the big toe. <clears throat> which is so the- is that fit? Like, well, again, PR, it's not about fairness. I know, but I'm just saying, like, if they go to the SEC, are there there are no SEC schools that have their own network? So, like, there's only two schools that have their own networks. It's only right. two. yeah, yeah. Texas is like one or two. So, right. well, I guess I guess the argument would be. They are the only school in the Big 12 that has their own network, right? They are the only school that not only has their own network, but they are also the only school that has their own network outside of the Big 12 sponsor, which is Fox Sports. So So, I was going to invalidate my point because I was going to say if they move to the SEC, it doesn't matter. Like, they were the only school in the Big 12. They'd be the only school in the SEC. I just – I don't know. It'll be interesting for sure to see and, like – TV markets wise with them, they're not changing location, but like what are the biggest markets for SEC schools? Like think about where SEC schools are located. The, does the Texas happen to like a different set of states that they didn't previously or is it going to consistently yeah, be? Actually, yes. States? Yes, because now TV subscriptions are going to change. They will now be they will now have rights to their own regional matchups. So, for example, if Texas were to play Missouri, that's not going to be nationally broadcasting. That's going to be a regional broadcasting. So if you live in that region of the SEC now and you have that that subscription in your current cable package, you'll get Mm -hmm. that game arguably for free because technically you live in the region. Now, if you're a UT fan and you live somewhere in like Colorado, you're going to have to probably pay for that addition because you're going to have the AC. You're going to have the the Pac-12 network, which, again, by Fox. So depending on where you are, like it's going to grow because you're you're talking about two of the biggest, you know, land, you know, in square footage states in the country with Texas and Florida. Right. So now you tap in that whole Texas market because, quite frankly speaking, Texas Tech may not leave. Baylor may not leave, but they still have to deal with the fact that they're still in the state of Texas. Mm. I know. I heard that Kansas might might be leaving, though. Shoot. Uh, Kansas, going to the Big to Ten. I heard the big. it was the Big Ten that they're going to talk to. Kansas, Kansas State and Iowa State. We have a spot. It was Iowa State and Kansas that they were thinking about was going to head to the Big Ten because of basketball. And they said, like, for Kansas, obviously, it's going to be a basketball. They're going to go to a basketball conference. They're not going to go to blah, blah, blah. For Rutgers, as a proud Rutgers alum, it's over. Don't, no, please. No, actually, it won't be. It won't be. It really okay. won't be. And I'm, I'm, and this is, this is the optimism behind Still it, but there's also a fact behind it, right? Because you add that kind of brand, it's just can't, like the three biggest brands, if hypothetically speaking for basketball, are Kansas, Michigan State, and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, you're talking about adding a brand for just, that's just one sport. Mm-hmm. That's one sport, men's and women's basketball, right? With that being said, the way the Big Ten operates when it comes to recruiting isn't the same approach as the SEC. There's mm-hmm. a little bit more parity in recruiting. But that, in, 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 in a nutshell, there still will be a stranglehold of people trying to recruit from the East Coast. No, I know. I just meant you that they're not, they're, not, they're not contenders 
in anything right now. So I hate to say it, but no, they won't be. Y'all Rutgers, y'all will always <laughs> have my heart. You produce scholars and 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 game changers and 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 movers and shakers in every other arena. And we got some we got some big time athletes that came out of Rutgers. Um, I, you know, so it is what it is. We just as I, as I sit here with the Jayhawk on my chest, uh, rock shock. I don't have a Rutgers thing on right now, but shout out, I'm, I'm always supporting them. You know, but I just um, do my my rock chalk and my go dogs. There we go. So there you <laughs> go. But, Nate, what you got? What's up? So what you got? Thoughts on this on this subject? My my thoughts are really looking into figuring out who gonna fill these spots. Like I think it'll be at some more smaller schools. Hopefully that can get into those bigger spotlights. Um, maybe some schools that were not necessarily Power Five become power five if they have the capability of doing so. So I think that'll be interesting to see how that kind of, who kind of fits in that gap. But it's all about money at the end of the day. Um, and I feel like that's why some of the smaller schools will be able to move up. Again, like Trey said earlier, this is not the first time somebody has moved this year as far as conferences go. There a lot of, it's been a lot of changes. So I'm kind of just waiting to see how, to, how that kind of transpires. Hopefully right. if they do move, like, it's it's not it's not going to be a lateral move because I have a feeling like if these smaller schools move up, like say they move to the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve is no longer be a Power Five because yeah. in mm. the eyes of fans and whoever the gods may be of conferences, I heard like through the grapevine, you know that the Big Twelve either will dissolve or it won't be a Power Five. So mm. we'll see. Speaking of major moves, though, and as we transition to the next topic of the night, um, somebody that did not make a lateral move is my girl, Maria Taylor. So shout out to her. Escaping the the claws of ESPN. The toxic claws. And taking her talents to NBC. So shout out to her getting a big bag. You know how I feel about Black you starting, off, starting off NBC in the at the Olympics in Tokyo, like they said, we gonna sign you this contract. We got yeah. your first class ticket booked. Look, forget, forget first class. We got we got a jet. We gonna take you a private jet out there. <laughs> I want y'all. I want us to take a step back and and look at how effortless, effortlessly, if I could talk, how effortlessly she made that move. Like my girl said. Thank you. Have a nice day. Here's my letter of resignation. And then what? Not even a day, two days later, it was like, we here. I'm here. I'm an NBC, you know. She had, her, she had her red bottoms on and just walked right over. Period. And that's what you have to do. Like, I know this is, you know, this isn't necessarily the, the topic per se, but like, I've heard quite a few things about that work environment and how over the past few years, they've received a lot of backlash about being toxic or being a place that's not as welcoming to Black, Indigenous, people of color, and women specifically. So I'm not here to confirm or deny that, but I am here to call out environments like that that are toxic, that are not welcoming to the talent that they represent as well as the talent that they're serving. We all know that college athletics is like 95% Black, period. So Treat your black talent with the same respect and the same like 
admiration that you do these athletes you know what i'm saying if not better because they're the one if we wouldn't have college football we wouldn't have these sports if it wasn't for a maria taylor if it wasn't for a holly Rowe, if it wasn't for list goes on and on and on right so i think we need to draw attention to that before we even talk about her making this major move i'm here to actively call out toxic ass environments in college athletics whether it's those affiliated with college athletics or those within college athletics as a person who previously worked in a toxic environment i'm done with that so let's let's make sure that we wrap that shit up and we stop perpetuating these false narratives and this bullshit in college athletics. I just say read them all. You just read them all. So you good. Like, yeah. you calling it out, too. Get them out of there. Get them out of there. I definitely agree with you. I mean, we've been talking about it. We talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, in toxic in so many different ways where he, he, out the... The, the majority has the ability to do some things and it's one of those things is do that passive aggressiveness that is probably to me the worst kind of uh, toxic environment to be in because you, you, you're just annoying enough to give me headaches and problems with things that I shouldn't even have headaches and problems with but you're just nice enough with it where I really can't say anything to you because of how you're handling it in this passive way and it's just so hard frustrating and you know the beauty is you know when you're dealing with stuff like that you just keep doing you and as long as you keep doing you and hitting those goals and and doing the things that you say you were going to do then eventually at some point that person can keep doing all the stuff they want to do and it ain't going to mean nothing. And just like the young lady want to talk about when she got this sideline job because of diversity. Expose her. Rachel okay. Nichols is her I name. the girl name. That's on the know, We don't even need to give her space <laughs> on our platform. Yeah. Like, you know, people but, act like that. Like, no. Man, I'm all for exposing huh? people and calling them out. So I'm exposing Period. her. That's yeah. her name. Let me not police your the way that you choose to expose her. <laughs> I just don't want to give Homegirl life on this black ass podcast episode. Anyway, keep home going. Girl. That's how unimportant she was in that forgotten name. But just <laughs> to say stuff like, you know, somebody gets a job because of diversity. No, she got a job because she's talented and she's hey. good at what she does. And there's so many of us you know, minorities who are in this business and we and we you know, we talked about a little bit earlier before the podcast, how all of us are in academics and things that and we're tired of being in that word academics. Like it's just to me, that's just like the most basic term in this business. And I think we have all been at places and have the time and experience that have excelled past the word academics. I mean, half of us probably could be ADs at NAIA and D3 right now, which is the little experience we got, you know. So I ain't got the 20-year experience mark yet, nowhere near it, okay? I ain't going to try to front. But at the end of the day, I know if you said want to hire you to be a JUCO AD, run an NAIA, that's going to run smooth as baby's bottom, all right? And, it's because, <laughs> and it ain't because of diversity. It's because we're talented and we know we got going. I'm here to say, 
hire me as the diversity hire. I'm still gonna f shit up and leave your damn university. I don't add value to your space because I'm a. I add value to your space because I'm a black woman, but that's also not why I add value to your space. I add value to your space because of my my intelligence, because of my education, because of my experience, because of my passion for the work that I do, and I'm I'm fly because I'm black. I have it's the damn brand. Thing. Talk about See, it. We just talk about it with the these kids. You know what I'm saying? So, like at the end of the day, there. I think people need to stop shying away from the concept of diversity being a negative or just that box that you check when it's so much bigger than that. And also, diversity isn't just about race. So when people use that as an excuse, that's ignorant. You don't really understand the concept of diversity anyway. So let's put an end to the use of diversity as a negative and also diversity as something that means black like let's it's not just about being black it's just about the only people who are seeing it that way though is not even like anybody that is black or brown or any kind of racial diversity or anything it's the people that feel threatened about like anything and everything that has to do with diversity diversity could be diversity in thought it can be diversity Mm -hmm. in geographics like demographics social economics like all of those things to me diversity is all of that diverse is different that's what it is it's a variant variant of like just different like thought processes and how people do things so yes like, like you said it's not just about about race one thing that i have a a qualm with is with hiring practices and i want mm-hmm. like i honestly want to know if you're if you're trying to get the diverse hire, like you always get people to say, like, you know, like um, we're looking for a diverse hire. I want to know who's in your pool. I want to know who you're looking at and who you're picking through, because if I'm the only black person in that pool, you're doing it all wrong. Because then if you hire me, then it was just because I'm black. It wasn't it had nothing to do with my talents or my mind or how I can impact your organization i won't even say like university organization impactfully it's you think i impacted the quota the status quo like that's what you think like i'm that i'm that one like i hate like one thing i really don't like and i i'm just gonna say it is when when people say um well we we got a lot of work to do and i'm just like can I see your pool? Let me see like where that work is being done. Cause if like there's one school that like sticks in my mind that did that. And when I saw like their hires for their ADs, like no women, all white, all white men, no black or brown person at all. And, but all last summer you had all these statements about diversity. You had a chief of that di- and diversity and inclusion. You But I'm just like, then don't say that in the hire. And then like you, you, everything's public and I can see it. And that, that makes me mad. Cause I'm just like, you're not serious in it. And it's this passive aggressiveness. It's this lack of awareness. And then once you get that, that, that diverse hire is the environment, is the environment conducive to that diversity. Like it doesn't even have to be like black or white or whatever. It's just like, are you able to be, to, to keep those, to retain those people, and are you able to give them a safe space to be different than right. your majority? And your majority, we can be thought, it can be race, it can be whatever. Like, if you don't have that foundation, like you're not going to keep that. 
at but all. People, that's why people are leaving. But that's the point. Like, I agree with you 100%, Kira. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, we are, we here. We're on the same page. But a lot of these places are not making these quote unquote diversity hires because they really want diversity. That's the point. That's it's, exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> like they're doing it to problem. box. They're doing it because last year diversity or diverse hires or the black box that is posted on social media was what was hot, cool, and something that people wanted. There's to a trend. Spend. There's a TikTok oh, trend. That's right. what it was. Oh. All of this stuff is about money. It all goes back to money at the end of the day. Like, and tokenism and, and, and these quotas, that all also goes back to money. Like these institutions, these public face, these public institutions, these institutions that receive funding from the government, they have to include diverse, quote unquote, uh, candidates in their hiring pool because they get funding from the government. And if they don't, like at a private institution, you can go to a private institution and it'd be a sea of white faces or a sea of whatever or a sea of men. A sea of, and they really don't have any answering to the government that they have to deal with, whereas at these public institutions, they do. So that's another motivating factor for a lot of them to do the diversity hire to. And now every university has a chief diversity officer. Like, what does that mean? Does this person have the resources available to actually do the job that a chief diversity officer is required to do? Do they, as, like you said, is the culture conducive to somebody coming in and saying, all right, X, Y, and Z University has a problem with racial bias. I need X, Y, and Z resources to help combat that issue. I'm pretty sure across the, the, the five of us that are on this, that are having this conversation right now, we've all in some shape or form been in an environment that is not embraced diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? So what 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 is the, like, how do we hold these universities accountable? How do we hold these organizations accountable? How do we say, like, is it that we don't go to them anymore? Is it that people start boycotting the opportunities that are available at these places? Or is it that you head straight into the fire and try to fight through the nonsense that is the racial bias or the bias against women or whatever? Um, and then just to go back to something that you said earlier, Whatever the lady's name is, I'm not trying to be rude, but I really don't remember her name. But she would be the same type of woman that would want to use diversity in her favor and say, you see, there's not enough women in this environment. So she uses she uses being a woman as a part of the way that she identifies with diversity. But when it comes to race, that being a marker of diversity is a problem. So. I've seen people do it both ways. So you, you, pick it, you pick and choose what right. you think well, diversity is. Diversity, right. equity, and inclusion has been used as a code name to just say, this is what we're covering. And again, we, we've seen public, you know, publicly displayed, you know, hiring pools for certain public, you know, officiating positions. We've seen, you know, which... I also thought it was a little weird that somebody was recording Miss um, Nichols in that conversation. Um, but again, like a deep thought is a deep thought, right? Whether it's recorded or not recorded, um, you've been harboring those feelings. And a good friend of mine, um, I mean, he pointed this out to me, uh, I want to say probably a couple days after it happened, but this is something he had been monitoring about about you know Miss Nichols the whole time is, 
she never really seemed like she was really an ally. You know, she mm-hmm. always gave, you know, this this appearance that she was. But, you know, when the talks, especially during the NBA bubble and the, uh, the WNBA wobble, um, it seemed like whenever it would switch over to her to speak on the jump about, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of the other, you know, diversity initiatives going around to support, you know, for minorities and their uplift in the community. It always he said there was always like this passive aggressive, like tinge that she always gave and. It's like, uh, well, I understand what's important here. And it's like, uh, anybody catch that? Anybody catch that? Like, she kind of slipped with what she was saying a little bit beforehand. Like, she didn't want to say what she wanted to say, but somebody put it on a teleprompter so she could read it. You know, you know, but with that salute to Maria Taylor, love the, the, the move that she made for her career. Um, when it's Hopefully all they treat her better. You know, <laughs> that resume, when it's all said and done, is going to look pretty nice. Just say that. She like is, she's she's top tier. Is she even pretty yet? Sorry, go ahead, Kira. I just said she's elite. Yeah, she's, she's top tier. She is the person that you would want. Right. Being lost on your staff. Being in Jamel Hill, too. So, you know, I yeah. I mean, yeah, one, thing I, one thing I wanted to do is address the. Um, what you said as far as like, what should you do in that situation? I think from my standpoint, I would want to empower young people who are trying to go through in this, this sports um, industry or really any industry to just kind of realize kind of like some of the schools we work at are over hundreds of years old. So like they have some processes and they do have some things that are in place that if you want to elevate in that lane, you will have to face that adversity. So just like Mariah, you got to do a great job um, and continue to fight that fight. But um, I think that's kind of the that's one route, in my opinion, of, of kind of getting to the top of you know your game and, and being elite at, at your industry. So that's what I want to lead the people who might be listening or the young people who might be tuning in is to continue to to figure out a way to to get better and um, you know show them wrong. For sure. I mean, I think that all spaces as of right now we kind of occupy the minority, right, as black people. And until we control a um, an individual industry, like, unfortunately, we're still in the spaces where, where the entertainment, right, or where the product or where the, the, the things that the items that, I don't say items because that makes us sound like objects, but where what other people profit off of our time, our talent, our our bodies, etc. And until we occupy uh, a space in a large enough quantity where and with a large enough buying power or, or equity where, you know, we can change the narrative, it's almost like we have to keep going into the fire to change it or we have to band together and say we are going to completely disassociate ourselves from this institution or this organization, et cetera. So I, I think my challenge is to us, similar to what Nate said, is to stay strong, but also really look at what value does it bring me to go into this particular environment? Does it bring me more value in the long term in my career to go into an environment that I know is actively against me as an individual? Or does it bring me more value to kind of start at the grassroots level and work my way up? 
You know what I'm saying? What it, and what is it that you want long term? What is it that you want? What kind of impact is it that you want to make? Um, and can it be accomplished at that individual institution or organization? Or can you do it elsewhere? Um, I obviously want to see more Black-owned organizations, Black-owned entities um, have more control within the sports arena. But again, all of that stuff goes back to money. You know what I'm saying? Resources. What what kind of resources do we have within our community? And what type of support are we going to give to those individual entities? Because we can sit here and say that, but we still, and this could be a topic for another conversation, look at our HBCUs and other programs or organizations that are or were Black-owned that struggle or still struggle now. So, Again, that's all. I'm kind of going off a little bit on a tangent on that side, but I think until we figure out, as an individual, you have to assess what holds the most value for me. What is it? What kind of impact do I want to make? What is it that will help my career the most? And what am I willing to sacrifice, if anything, to get there? One thing I will say is don't sacrifice who you are or feel like you have to sacrifice who you are at your core to be successful. Because the minute that you start doing that, the minute that you start selling your soul, so to speak, is the minute that you lose yourself in the same system that we're trying to challenge or change. So yeah, that's, that's my two cents. I think that's really good. Um, I want to kind of go back a little bit of what you said about uh, support and money. I think that kind of goes into our last topic um, that we want to talk about. We all know like what happened with Shakari Richardson about her getting uh, taken off the Olympic team because of weed uh, and because she smoked weed. And basically this topic is titled Shakari gets disqualified while uh, Megan Rapinoe gets amplified. And I'm pretty much talking about um, the use of cannabis um, to help athletes perform not necessarily perform, but just like exercise and just be like, I guess, healthier. I, I'm not necessarily sure how cannabis connects with that because I don't use that for that reason. But um, it was basically a headline that talked about how, uh, can I think it said cannabis on the big stage in Olympics. And then like once in Megan Rapinoe and her sister, twin sister, I think her name's Rachel, um, was the face of it. And it's, I think it's her sister's uh, program that does something with cannabis to help these athletes um, just be a little bit more healthier or just have, like, you know, their joints be a little bit more uh, um, healing, uh, whatever the CBD side does uh, for your body. Um, And then after that kind of went off, you know, Twitter did its thing and knew the assignment. It basically went off and said, well... I don't get why Shikari got disqualified from the Olympics because she smoked weed. Now y'all trying to put cannabis on the big stage, and but you just took a black woman off. So I kind of want to talk about that, get your thoughts about that. That, that happened like last, late last week, I believe. Um, I haven't seen anything about Megan, you know, talking about it. Uh, obvious reason she's playing in the Olympics right now, so she's probably focused on that. But it's an interesting topic, so sound off. So I things. Um but you know it's it's the the connotation first and foremost. Like from like you know, cannabis hits the stage 
then you have, you know, it's more of the CBD cream and products, you know, used, you know, for muscle relaxation, joint um, healing and, and, and lack of it decreasing the inflammation. Um, I was trying to get the word out of my head, but, you know, you're also trying to compare the, the healing process of the physical compared to the mental and emotional um, we don't know in the full intent, and we're going to put some respect on her, on her name, uh, what Shakari Richardson, you know, was going through at that time. And this may have been the only, you know, coping mechanism that she had or the one that's the, that, that helps her the best, right? Now, with that being said, the immediacy of her accountability was everything for me. It was everything. As somebody who was based in track and field and, and got to really see her grow since she was in high school, like, she held herself accountable. Now, I'm not necessarily sure in the sense of who may have been in her ear with, you know, how to approach that. But I can say that, you know, going on the biggest stage possible, admitting her truth and to the situation that was at hand, first and foremost, I don't think she really had to do that. Nobody really needs to know what's going on in your personal life. But you are candid enough to let people know, okay, this is what's going on. So, you know, with the second portion of that, she nipped it in the bud. There's nothing else to really talk about. But it does seem like it's it's not happenstance that something like this happens. Somebody can get banned for something that has a little bit of tint on their color. But the person who may not, it's like, okay, we're letting them get away with this? Like, we, we're just going to let this skate? And, like, everything's okay? Like, you don't have to be the example to let things, you know, happen, right? But, again, if you have a little bit of tin on your skin, you, you, you're, you suffer. I also, just real quick, want to interject just think about the difference in the use of the terms for the substance, right? So the use of the word cannabis, that shit sounds scientific. Oh, cannabis. Oh, my God. And then weed. Like, it's all the same. Same plant. Right? Same plant. Right. So I think, and and to sit here and to say that Shakari Richardson, excuse me, who had just lost her biological mother and spoke on that she she let us know that after she won her historic race after she went and hugged her grandmother i think she posted a tweet or something to that effect and said you know i just lost my biological mother like that in and of itself and if you go back and look at research right i'm not interjecting my own personal opinion on this i'm just going to refer to research that has been shown for this particular substance to be helpful not just in physical recovery but also in mental recovery as a or emotional recovery as it relates to anxiety or depression or other things there is a lot of research that supports the use of this particular substance in the areas of mental health and wellness and responses to anxiety and depression and other things. Um, so I think for us to sit here and to be very selective or the court of public opinion, also the, the Olympic Committee to be selective on who we say 
can respond certain ways to mental trauma, emotional trauma, and then also who can respond to their physical ailments with different responses based on race, I think is problematic. And I'm not necessarily saying the Olympic Committee is saying only black people can't use, you know, blah, 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 and only white people can. But I do think that there is a continuous bias, even with the explosion of the, the, the cannabis world and the legalization of that particular substance, you see a, a, a much higher representation of white individuals in that area profiting off of cannabis, whether it be through groweries or, you know, weed infused products or things of that nature, or even recovery based products, you see them being able to launch their businesses and be extremely successful or even trading stocks on a stock market for cannabis companies. You know what I'm saying? And be black. Those stocks are not black owned stocks. Those companies are not black owned companies, but everybody's able to profit off of those things. And then you turn and look over here and look at the experiences of black indigenous people of color, whether it be Shikari and her not being able to participate in the Olympics or us to go across a storied history of society's demonization of the use of marijuana and the way that it has affected the black community, the black household, the black family and incarceration rates. And again, I don't want to take it too far because we go all night about that particular subject, but it's, it's crazy to me that we can sit here and we can say it's okay for my girl not to, you know, it's not okay for her to use it, but Megan, this one and that one and the third one can do that rub, you know, some CBD infused lotion on their leg and everybody, oh my God, this is revolutionary. Like, come on, bro. My girl lost her mother. Let's see. It don't even matter that. It's like, it's the same plant. I don't right. care if it's C- CBD or it's THC. I don't care. It's it's the same plant. Cannabis is cannabis. It's like you said. It's the media or whoever it is saying like weed versus cannabis. It's the same thing. Like it, the the fact that you you demonize it, and I'll even go as far. I will say like it is like this black or white thing because it, it's all connected in my opinion. Like I'll even like it may not be directly, but at some point it's like this unconscious bias type stuff. Like, I don't know if that's the word you would use, but people are not aware of the history of that. And when, and when you make these decisions by not thinking about any of this, like if you, if you come to me and say mass incarceration has nothing to do with it, that's a bold faced lie. Like it does, like it has everything to do with it because it, it may not be, she's going to jail, but you are restricting her of something that she wanted to do. Like you're taking that dream away. It's the same thing. And black and brown people have always suffered from this because like because of our skin color, we're demonized. And then the things that we do, because it's like you said, it's the way that they say it. Like mm-hmm. she smoked weed, but Megan is doing cannabis. Like she's still there's, doing the same stuff. Like I don't care. There's something added to that after the fact, too. You know, now there's, um, you know, people saying like well she didn't have a very good relationship with her mother and that's why she wait a minute hold on because that ain't before you even cut me off sorry let me finish my point yeah it's, it's again to what kiara had mentioned like <clears throat> and as i stated earlier you got a little bit of tin on your skin everything now matters right 
everything matters. What was your relationship relationship with this person? You know, it's like the intro to Good Kid, Mad City. Um, where you from? Where you stay? You know what I'm saying? Where your grandmama stay at? Like, why do you need to know this? But if because somebody else- we don't have control over our lives. We don't have control of our lives. We don't have control of our bodies. We don't have control of our own narratives. We don't control the market. We are the product. We're the commodity. And until we get out of that, going back to what I said earlier, they're going to continue to control that. Who the hell are you to tell this woman that she did not have a substantial enough relationship with her mother to not be grieving over the fact that she passed? If y'all want to be psychologists so damn bad, you should know that there is a significant effect on someone that does not have a quality relationship with their mother. If you want to go into child psychology and the importance of the mother's influence on your personal development as a child going and then adolescent and then adult, you should understand all of these things. I'm sorry, but this really, it really bothers uh, me. I was, so, I was going to get there. Apologize. You know. <laughs> go ahead, sir. You got it. You that got was, it. I just, that was my point. Um, if you like, know me, you know why this bothers me. I, 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 yeah, and you know, I have a, a a very close, you know, you know, relationship with you know mental health and all that, and I have best friends and in, 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 in people close to me that suffer from the lack of a relationship with their biological parents. You know, like it's not just, oh, she didn't know her all that well. She shouldn't be tripping or he shouldn't be tripping or they shouldn't be tripping. Um, respect to the pronouns. Um, but it's like, why? Why? Again, why does it matter? You know, again, she was candid enough to tell you what was going on and then admit her fault. OK, keep it pushing. I but, just have a problem with it being a banned substance, and then, but you can use that, it for two different I things. I don't I like that. that as well. Like the World Anti Doping Agency and all of the the country specific, you know, agencies. Um, from my understanding, it just it, it almost seemed like it had to match. Like what they do, you know, from a testing perspective between WADA and you know the governing body in Japan has to match. So if you are another competitive country, you are essentially under new jurisdiction temporarily based on whatever country's hosting it. Um, I definitely want to be fact checked on that um, because I feel like there's a little bit more, you know, that I'm missing within that information. But um, it was the timing, too. Right. Like I was talking to, you know, a couple of my friends about this and it's like, dang, bro. What if this was after the Olympics? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, we, we can't control that, right? But I but I also said this in, 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 in the same breath. Like, you know, we all remember what happened back in uh, 2008 with Michael Phelps. That was after the fact, but that was for fun. This is a totally different situation. Well, so she kind of, yes, you have to say, all right, you do something, you, you, you face the repercussions and consequences after the fact, right? But the demonizing of something that everybody knows about on top of the fact that it was for a specific situation, like, she's still being vilified. I'm, I, I, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit with this whole situation. And, and me, personally, I could care less. And marijuana... Like to me, this at this point in the world is kind of one of the most whatever drugs. And but, but 
from a standpoint of where I can understand some people are frustrated. One, being an Olympian, a lot of people see Olympians as you are the gold standard of what an American, or not not American, what your country has to offer. You're the gold standard. Two, the Olympics is not, you know, like you said, it's not a single country. It's not like this is the American Olympics where weed is legal in Oregon, so whatever. And at the same time, the, 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 the concern I have is with it, and I do know it does help with mental health and it helps with physical issues as well. There's also been that, that standard of weed is the gateway drug. So as a public figure that kids look up to, I could see where some people would say, well, you're essentially saying as long as you have a mental health issue, it's okay to use drugs. And I'm, and you know, and for some kids and being someone who's lived in a city like Baltimore, where I see you got kids at 12, 13, 14, they using drugs. We, and then by 15, 16, we on perks. And then by 17, 18, they on worse than that. Had the kids, you know, doing the gangster lean and sort of the, the dope fiend lean, you know, um, at in high school before they even graduate. And it's because of, at some point, my grown cousin allowed me to smoke because it's the cool thing. I want to I want to refute that because I I I want to I want people to get rid of this notion that marijuana is a gateway drug. It's not a gateway drug to other drugs. It's a gateway drug to the emotional, psychological, and physical relaxation that comes with that. Like addiction is addiction, no matter what. You can be addicted, mm-hmm. right? But you also have to understand that in the, in the component of nature versus nurture, you are nurtured in an environment that has certain drugs that are definitely heavy in whatever recreational mm-hmm. use in the this, in, in this sense, right? Weed doesn't lead you to heroin. Weed doesn't lead you to crack cocaine. The environment in which you are bred in and you decide to introduce yourself to can lead you to whatever that drug is. Mm-hmm. But you know, but, you know, uh, it's 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 uh, we we have to eliminate this, this 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 concept that it's just it's a gateway drug because nobody has ever explained to what it leads to. Look, for most people, it leads to munchies. It's a gateway to filling your appetite. Well, depending like, on where you depending on where you are, look, son, yeah, I mean, you may have that. Look, look I'm speaking. I'm time. speaking very openly about this right now. If it's going to lead me to going to my local Kroger and using my Savers Club card to go get some snacks, it is what it is. I ain't harming nobody. I just think that to piggyback off of what you're saying, Nick, there are a lot of substances that we consume regularly that are a lot more addictive and dangerous than what I've seen weed in its or marijuana or cannabis more specifically CBD in its pure form to be to people like Let's let's be real for a second. The American government and the country that we know this country to be was built off of the sale and profit of tobacco, and alcohol. tobacco industry, right? And, and alcohol, alcohol, right? And alcohol, right? Alcohol and tobacco are probably two of the most damaging substances that you or I can consume because of what it does to your body. Tobacco, I mean, you can't go to a, a place and buy cigarettes and there not be a Surgeon General's 
like notice on there that says, hey, 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 just want to make sure you know you could die if you smoke this shit. Like, come on. Or like the standard is there's a standard of what goes into the cigarette. There's a standard of what goes into the alcohol, what is allowed. The thing with weed is because it's so natural, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say what people are doing and putting and mixing and all these things and the government can't regulate it. At the end of the day, weed is illegal in the country itself. No, it's illegal right now because the white folks haven't figured out how to profit off of it. That's fine. It's still illegal, guys. But look, every state, there's there's always been federal law, state law, okay? And the state laws, some states allow it. But at the same time, dispensaries can still be subject to federal raids because they're not federally approved. They're State. My question, my question is, and again, I'm not sitting here. I'm gonna say everybody has to do what works for them. There are people who feel as though it's not a substance that they want to consume. There are people who feel as though it is a substance they want to consume. You know, it is what it is from your individual opinions. But I still don't understand. I think it is not federally legal, as I said, because the federal government hasn't figured out how to profit off of it in mass the same way they did with tobacco but you look at issues to me if we really want to talk about gateway drugs and we really want to talk about substances that are problematic let's hold the government accountable for this opioid crisis let's do that let's talk about how the government still um you know i'm sorry i just want to make sure i'm not going over time but the government also the, the government also sits there and has funneled drugs into our community as black people. The crack epidemic isn't something that black people got together on a Saturday night and said, hey, hey you want let's to start go get some crack. <laughs> like, what the, first of all, what is that? Like, where did y'all get that from? Second of all, like, that has broken up homes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there, that is proven to have been a substance that was funneled into the black community for the purpose of the, dissolving a black family, incarcerating black men, causing black women mm-hmm. and black children to be distraught and, and destitute, if you will, and then being another marker of lessening the opportunities for us to build wealth. So it's the same thing. Like, as soon as the government figures out how to regulate cannabis, <clears throat> weed, whatever, marijuana, ganja, whatever damn term we use it, they're going to, they're going to do that. The issue is that it's so far gone at this point, And there are so many instances where a person can grow that on their own, that that's the problem that I think is holding up this movement. Because again, there are derivatives of that particular plant that have helped cure some of the worst diseases or been an aid in some of the most debilitating um, things that we've seen. So I am off my soapbox for right now. But that- before we go back to like government and stuff, I want to pull it back, Chicago. pull it back to Shikari. I was about to come at Shikari. Okay. Yeah. Like, no, I just wanna. She's going on to the to the big <laughs> rock lesson. The free, 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 free. No, 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 For for you guys that listen, like this is our conversations all the time. We go on tangents, and then like two, three hours later, we pull it back to the very first conversation. Uh, so you're getting a glimpse into that. But I just want to say one thing. I think Trey, you said it uh, earlier about um, Shikari, like being a. Um, role model, which I think, yes, I agree with that. Just like her being a role model and have to be like having that, that standard. And even Simone Biles even said this, why she stopped just like 
you know, it's the weight of the, sh- uh, like the weight on her shoulders is hard, but I, I want to get back to her and just like talk about, um, the fact that I don't think anybody would have known she got disqualified because of weed unless some, like the media has said it. So even if they like, it's kind of like what Nick said, it's like what Mike, what, uh, Phelps, it was after the fact that they let them let mm-hmm. him know saying like he was doing like weed and stuff like that. They never like let that leak or anything. They let him compete. For me, the, 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 yeah, and I think that's unfortunate. That, that's unfortunate for Shikari yeah. because she didn't have that that opportunity. But um, I'm just saying like the fact that that was public. Now we can't rein it back and say, well, let's let her compete because you know. I think that does kind of like set a precedence and then that's going to pull back things. So I figured, I feel like that's why the Olympics didn't allow her because of what you said, she is a role model, but I also want to say this, it's just like cannabis, THC, CB, same thing. My thing is like, was it illegal when she did it? If it wasn't, then whatever. But now you're allowing someone to amplify cannabis and, but you disqualified someone who smoked it. I'm just confused. That's I think, I think, she, thing. I think ultimately with her, not to sound no type of way, I think she shot herself in the foot. I think her media team did not do a good job at prepping her initial response. Does she I, have a media I, team though? She's 20, I don't know 16. She does. I don't think that's one but what I'm saying is, if she don't got one to be at that I'm level, black. it's not good that you don't have one. You should know you should have one. But the response was so quick; it was just like quick reaction, as opposed to let's get something that's going to be strong, neutral, and accepted at the same time. It was kind of like a child responded as best as she could, as an adult way, but she didn't hit on all the the right keyword that somebody would have wanted to hear. And I think that's why it went from, we're going to disqualify you from this one event. You responded and then you responded to the backlash that you got from that. And then it's like, all right, well, since you can't hold your water, now we're just going to just take pulling from the Olympics all together. You hear that? Uh, on the relay at first. Black PR, black owned PR, like, the thing, like, I'm just saying, like, get in contact with these, like, young black men and women that are trying to, like, do big things because even if you're right or wrong, Trey, either way, like, I still think that it has to be the fact that they, it's money, it's, ac- it's access, it's proximity, it's, um, she's black, she's a woman, she's 19, 20, 18, she does not have the same resources as her white counterparts. And it's as simple as that, and that's unfortunate. So my, like, if we're throwing, like, you know, challenges out there for, like, black-owned PR to, like, like, now you got NIL, you can do this now, get out there and talk to them, like, they need that, like, like, this should be, like, I hate to say it, a cautionary tale in a sense, like, you know, we see like what she did and unfortunately she couldn't live out her dreams, but now we can use that as a lesson for those that are like coming up behind her or with her. Like we need people out there, like even media relations teams in these athletic departments, if you're black and you understand this, although I know it's only like 1%, but 
get out there, find those student athletes and work with them, like work with them the same way you work with the white student athletes. Like, you know, like some of these black student, black and brown student athletes don't have the paper or the proximity or the resources to talk to these types of people. And like, that's one thing that I wish, because I used to be in media relations, is that that they have that chance to um, not shoot themselves in the foot, I guess, in that sense, um, when they are on the big stage like that. Because I do see that, like that, like even if that's what Shikari or not with any black and brown student athlete, they need that. Because I see like some of these uh, white student athletes being able to be articulate, know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, it's because like their parents either taught them or had the money to, t- to get them help. But like these other student athletes don't. And that's why, like when I was at Kansas, I really appreciated when Holly Rowe came to talk to the uh, men's and women's basketball teams about, you know, just media. Uh, Like she was able to sit there and say, like, this is how you act with media. Like she would come after Big 12 Media Day. I actually drove her from Big 12 Media Day to Kansas so she can go talk to the student athletes. And she was telling us, like, yeah, this is what we do. I, I do a PowerPoint like. We need more advocates, more allies, more people that do that for these student athletes. So that's my two cents. I just want to say real quick, I agree with you, but I also think we got to stop treating our student athletes that are 18 to 22 year olds like public figures, because I don't think that every athlete that's 18 to 22 years old has the mental and emotional capacity to be a public figure. So there's... Uh, there's a level of authenticity that I appreciate when we see these athletes go out there and say things from the heart. But then when they make a misstep after they've done something wrong, then we're expecting them to be this polished adult or individual. So that's a, that can be another conversation for another day. Um, you know, what constitute a, what constitutes a public figure and when authenticity is valued for our student athletes and when it's not. But I just want to add that a little little sprinkle in there so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to Nate because Nate we haven't heard you in a while so what you got to say man I think I think that's a wrap honestly like I think y'all put the head the nail on the head y'all y'all, y'all, talk, y'all talked about pretty much everything that I can really think of um so to so all our viewers we definitely really appreciate you all tuning in check it check us out in a few different weeks um we'll be talking about some more interesting topics some great content um, something maybe about Obama, the NBA over in Africa. Um, but just make sure you check out our social media links. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Black in Sports. Um, and, and that's it.